Pour yourself a sweet tea, pull up a lawn chair, and turn the page with us. You're listening to Right on Mississippi, a podcast taking you inside the minds of America's most treasured wordsmiths. I'm Ebony Lumumba, and Right on Mississippi is produced in partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting for the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's Literary Lawn Party. I have the thrill of being here with Misha Marin. Greetings. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for being head here in Mississippi as we talk about literature and all of the fun and romantic and goofy things that surround producing. Yeah. Really sound, substantive literature as you've done with Sugar Run and other things that you've written. So, you know, I'd like to start this off by asking about... um, your connection, if any, to our state, to Mississippi or the South at large, do you feel a connection with this space? And if so, has that ever found its way into your work? Um, yeah. So I I definitely do uh, feel a connection to the South in general and specifically, honestly, Mississippi, um, mostly through literature, through right. um, yeah. writing from here. Stories. I... Um, when I think back to kind of like, you know, people talk about the lineage of their, of their writing. And, Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest moments for me was when I found the work of Larry Brown. Hmm. Um, and a friend who actually drove me down today from Memphis, um, a, a writer named Grant Gerald Miller introduced me to, uh, Larry Brown's work. Um, Grant just graduated from the MFA program, um, in Tuscaloosa. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and, was more well-versed than I was sort of in, in that um, vein of Southern writing and just said kind of offhandedly, I think you might like this guy's work. Yeah. Um, and there was something in the way that, uh, that Larry Brown wrote about living rurally hmm. that I hadn't, the way that he wrote about it, the people he wrote about, I hadn't seen represented. And even though I grew up quite a ways from here, I grew up in rural West Virginia, right. which, you know, technically... For some, it's the South right. still, though. Like, exactly. And which I want to talk about. Like, yes. do, are you Southern? I think, We're happy to adopt right. you. Right. I think so. <laughs> and I think so specifically because I come from Greenbrier County, West Virginia, which mm-hmm. is the very, very bottom part of the, the state. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's lots of different ways that we um, can define the South. but I agree. And we should continue to kind of open that definition. Right. So, sort of... I mean, honestly, to put it in the most crass way, some of the most negative ways of defining the South is thinking about the Confederacy. 100%. And unfortunately, that was a big part of, like, Greenbrier County during the Civil War, Mm -hmm. when West Virginia became its own state, um, they didn't want to leave the Confederacy, where the rest of the state really did. So in those sort of not-so-awesome ways, it is a part of the South. And then I think that there are more positive ways in which, you know, like for me, a kid coming from rural West Virginia to feel that affinity with Larry Brown's work, I think that that means, and I felt the affinity because it felt like he was writing about people that I grew up around. And so I think that says something that means that you can split hairs, but it means that basically, yeah, West Virginia, or at least Southern West Virginia is. I like that as a way of defining what's Southern, right? Because this is a conversation. Who you identify with and what you recognize Mm -hmm. as, you know, your reality. Right. As opposed to, like, my family did this, right. lived there, right. owned this, owned them. Right. And so yes. I am Southern because I think that's where we get those negative yeah. connotations or characteristics. Yes. And as a black Southerner, I am, uh, you know, it's a sticking point for me. Right. 
to say, I am Southern, and Southern looks like this as well. Exactly. And it's not a good idea for us to pretend like that wasn't a part of the South and a right. part of the fight. No, it's but part it's of also like not. All of us that... have the drunk uncle, <laughs> but he's yes. still your uncle. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think that West Virginia, or at least Southern West Virginia, um, is at least, you know, you could say culturally more like the South than any other part of the u.s that i have been to okay um and so cool. i don't know if i knew that yeah it was like as a deep southerner which is right. a term i just coined just right. now yes. for this discussion yes. <laughs> you know we when it, things start to go above tennessee it just gets really murky for right. us and right. we're like oh yes. you're a yankee right right no which, and do people still use that term i oh, have no idea yeah yeah oh yes <laughs> my mother-in-law uses that term nice a nice. lot <laughs> Um, and, and I was denigrating people. When yeah. She oh, very it. much. I once accidentally like really offended her by like saying something about her sense of humor and saying mm-hmm. like that she interpreted and she was like, oh, anyways, to, to me comparing became, her to a Yankee. And that oh, was, I mean, we really had to do some and repair. dinner went. Yeah. 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 Some, Downhill. Some, some quick damage repair there. Um, after that. So people do, people do still use that. And I do think it does get, it does get murky. And there are a lot yeah. of ways in which West Virginia, I mean, West Virginia became a state because the, the mm-hmm. that region wanted to leave the South. Right. So it is almost a funny Thing like irony, ask. yeah. Right, where you're, where you would almost the answer would seem like it would almost be like, well, obviously it's not a part of the South. Like it mm-hmm. became its own state because it didn't want to be because a part of the South. Because it didn't want to be a part of that. Right. You know what was defining the South at the time? Yes, and there are ways. I mean, I also Whoa. read books like set in rural Maine and can feel. You know, maybe this is a ruralness yeah. that kind of transcends. Which happened? I mean, there's this sort of global southernness. Yes, I think that exists and. I I want to segue here into talking about Sugar Run. Yeah. And how I was just talking to another writer and she said in essence it's the specificity that allows for universality in literature. I would agree. Yes. And I yeah. thought well, and then I thought about you mm-hmm. and your work and I thought you're writing a story that is about love and yes. trauma and struggle yeah. and the human spirit connecting with other human spirits and survival and but there's some specificity there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that separates it and connects it so Mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about just very briefly and then we'll get into other goofy things i think but you know about what you were thinking as you were creating Mm -hmm. your i'm gonna call her a heroine yeah right like because she has some heroic she does. Undertaking. She makes some bad decisions at certain yeah. points. And heroes but... have to. Yeah. To, I mean, yeah. that formula from, like, classic it's literature. True. It's true. They yeah. have to make mistakes. Right. Um, I like I like that you that you want to call her that. Um, that was very much my relationship to, to Jody mm-hmm. um, was that, that she is a heroine. Um, and a broken one, perhaps, but, but a heroine. And I think that... Um, the book was always very character driven for me. Like mm-hmm. it, it was Jody's story and everything else fell into place around it. I yeah, mean, it yeah. is um, set in the town that is Jody's hometown. Really honestly is my hometown. I just kind of changed the name so that I didn't <laughs> feel like I had to be tied. Are there people from to... your hometown that are in the story? Yeah. Yep. Now they know who they are. Yes. No, <laughs> I mean, I definitely used, you know, used some, I thought sometimes twice about using certain last names and things, but was like, right. you know what? There's also certain names that are very specific to certain to the areas. Area. Right. And For like just historical correctness. Yes. 
So I changed, I changed just partially just for fun and also so that I didn't have to feel 100% tied to the quote unquote yeah. truth. I changed the name of the county and the name of the town. But mm-hmm. honestly, it's set it's in the same. Greenberg and folks county, who know Alderson, it will West recognize Virginia. it. Exactly. Nice. Um, so I knew I wanted to write about that because because it's where I grew up and because it, I was always interested and fascinated by it. And I, I was, um, my dad always presented to me as I was growing up the importance of stories and listening to people's stories and mm-hmm. all of my neighbors mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. me. Um, I grew up yeah. around a lot of really strong women. Sadly, there's, you know, I'm sure it's not specific to West Virginia, but there seemed to be a trajectory where there were a lot of women whose husbands had died fairly young yeah. and tragically, there, the main economy in the tiny corner of the state that I'm from was a rock quarry for the CSX Railroad. I was about to say, are they like mining? Yes. Okay. So it's mm-hmm. basically the equivalent of it. I mean, that they were, it was, it was a, a open face rock quarry. Okay. Um, but people died in that line of work. Yeah. A lot. And then there were the women who continued on and kept raising the kids. To. And so I, the women that I grew up right um, in my neighborhood um, wow. were, sto- most of, were storytellers. I mean, they wouldn't have thought of themselves that way necessarily, mm-hmm. but they, w- I would go over to their house after school, get out of my mom's hair, and they were telling me <laughs> these really fascinating stories. Um, and my dad, I want to, you know, just say that I really appreciate that he always made it very obvious to me that I needed to respect that that was something that wasn't just a casual like oh you know oh yeah, that's, oh, that's Dulcie just... she's just talking and talking but right. like no this is important this is your elder and you need to listen to her um I, your dad did that my dad did I love yeah. that yeah I love that because you and know would demonstrate to me like we're gonna go and we're gonna sit at her kitchen table and we're gonna, and we're gonna pay listen. attention to what she's saying my gosh and I, I mean, think that that's where some of my drive for for um, writing, or at least some of my mm-hmm. drive for writing about that part of West Virginia, um, was hearing these fascinating stories and being like, "Oh yeah, this place this this is a place of a lot of stories. This place contains many stories, yeah. and those stories are beautiful and." worthy of listening to. I love it. Like this place contains lots of stories. I mean, it's such a beautiful, you know, like thought because Mm -hmm. we're sitting in a library now and there are all of these stories surrounding us physically, right? Very literally. But I think when we are able to attach stories to a place or a culture, Mm -hmm. it grounds roots and substantiates the existence of those people or that place. And my dad showed to me that he valued the stories he wanted to spend his yeah. time listening to them asking questions and so of and course sort of as kind a kid, of guiding your experience yeah, yeah it was like obviously since my father thinks this, this is an important way to it spend your time be. it must be um and so i think some of the book came out of that and some of it came out of just the character of jody which i'm not entirely sure where she i mean i didn't model her off of a specific person but she sort of came to me and then um the book was very driven by her and really my sort of fascination mm. with her. So Jody sort of, we had a conversation earlier uh, at the book festival about Eudora Welty and how mm-hmm. the characters that she wrote possessed her. Yeah. And they I, drove the story. Yes. So you had that same yeah, sort exactly. of encounter. Yes. And I had been writing before. I love hearing that. And this, uh, this was the first time that I felt like that. I mean, I'd, I'd written quite a few short stories and I'd been, um, I'd, I'd tried to write a couple of other like longer pieces, but um, and when I was working on a short story, you know, I would be, I would feel like I was there with the character, but mm. I never had a character like 
Jody, honestly, there were times when I tried to quit writing the book because it felt like I didn't know how to do it or wow, I was struggling with it and I would put it away and I would feel like the same way that you feel when you know you have that friend who <laughs> you've been, you know, texting with them or whatever, you know, they're going through a hard time, but you're like, oh, I just can't. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I want to like text there. you like, and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like it's not, you're not right. okay. <laughs> But you kind of like there are no just don't answer back for, for a while, yeah. and then you're like, oh, no, I feel really bad. Like, I really should have shown up for that person, and that's how I would feel for this Whoa. character was if I tried to quit writing the book, I would be like, I... Letting Jody down. Right. Like a like a partner or a friend who you're like, uh, it's just really not fair for me to just abandon. She her. needs, like, your action to yeah. continue. This is probably the most in-depth right? Like discussion that I've had about how characters drive and guide stories. Yeah. And I'm fascinated in the responsibility you're telling me you felt. Well, to and that's a good word to use. I really did. And it was the first time that I had had that kind of experience and I felt it. And I felt it to the point where I, when I was writing the novel, I was, um, I was living in Iowa city. My partner was in grad mm-hmm. school there and I was mm-hmm. just waitressing, um, and writing when I wasn't waitressing. And, um, I had this moment where I made, basically kind of a deal with Jody in my mind where I was like, I'm going to put everything I can into this. I'm going to write this novel to mm-hmm. the end. I will try to find an agent and try to find a publisher for it. But if that doesn't work, like if I give it my all truly and yeah. totally and it fails or, or nothing happens mm-hmm. with it, then I'm, then Jody, you have to let me go. Like what then did she say? I'm off the hook. She said, okay. She didn't like, mean it though. If I le- if <laughs> I think truly, so? do you I think she would have left you alone? Right? If she probably not, had not but, manifested. But maybe no. she knew. Like, okay, that's like a not, you know, like in my mind, it was it was like, I will give everything I can to this, but then there has to be a cutoff mm-hmm. point um, where you can't wow. keep giving everything forever. Um, so at least it seemed to me like she but said, she, okay, she told you what you needed to hear to get it give, done. Just give it, <laughs> don't, give it your all and don't worry too much. It's kind of like our parents. Yeah. Like, if you do your best. Right. And I didn't believe that I could write a book that would actually get published. I mean, I wasn't wow. like, this is, yeah, this is going to get published. I just was like, well, I know that I, uh, I have a pretty good work ethic. I know I can work hard. Yeah. I know I can write the rest of the book and I know I can Mm-hmm. write query letters and try to find an agent. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can get an agent, but I know I can you know how, give it my steps. best. And so that was sort of the agreement I felt like I had to make with her, which was like, yeah, I will do um, everything within my own powers. And then after a certain point, if nothing it's happens there. with that, then. And I've got to wonder like how many authors that we know that, you know, after they've passed. Yeah then there are these we find these files of these books that they very well could i I talked to casey setman so she Mm -hmm. talked about uh harper lee not really being able to put this this true crime novel together have you read uh no i read a little article furious hours yeah about yeah fascinating but then i'm i wonder now it makes more sense to me with you sort of giving clarity to this that there was this pull Mm -hmm. and i mean i can't think of an author that i really follow and love mm-hmm. that doesn't have right. some right. untold yes. unfinished manuscript Something that's that just tried there. Or... I mean, living and dead. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. But it makes more sense. I think, I mean, hopefully folks listening, it makes more sense too, that mm-hmm. this is not just, I'm going to sit down and write the great American novel. Right. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I knew that I that really is... cared for Jody, but I didn't know that if I was capable of writing a publishable novel, I just mm-hmm. knew I cared about her and that I would try my very best. But in the back of my mind was kind of like, I may try my very best and it may not 
this and this book may go on the shelf and then there may be, yeah. another, you know, um, and the good thing was that then I did find an agent who was very um, not only supportive of me, but helpful as far as editing. And he kind of helped me take it to the next yeah. um, level. So I didn't do it all entirely on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did kind of have an awareness of the fact that, like, I cared deeply for Jody, but I didn't know if anybody else would. Like, I hoped. Yeah. I thought. But I think and it was, like, my responsibility to try to bring right? her out into the world so that other people would have the chance to care. About to care. And to get to know her. Wow. And maybe care about other folks in a right. different way. Once you get to kind of read into the intricacies of characters' lives. Yes. <sighs> yeah, I think That's breathtaking. Of... Really, it is. Thanks. Yeah, I think one it's of the things... It's kind of justice work that you're, I mean, describing here. It, uh... Yeah, it's funny because it, you know, I, I've done a lot of social activism and, and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. different kinds of work in my life. And I feel like I've always thought of it as very separate from my fiction world. But when you say no that, way. I'm like, I guess it, it's, it's not so much. I think I just always thought, well, here's the fiction writer, me over here, yeah. who, you know, sometimes I could even think in my own mind that writing fiction was selfish in a way because it's not immediately mm-hmm, mm-hmm. helping Someone in the same to, way right. that, like, volunteering at a domestic violence shelter does, right. you okay. know? So right. Like, so I kind of kept those action separate in service. my mind. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but it's true that it, it was sort of like, um, I, it did feel like my job to, to bring Jody out into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that, that a reader said to me that was probably, like, my favorite thing that anybody said to me was that she had never spent any time in her life around someone like Jody mm, and that she that's what I mean to like love her and I felt like that was interesting to know it was hard for me to imagine like oh all right I guess this reader had lived a fairly sheltered life to have mm-hmm. never spent anyone any time around somebody of a different socioeconomic level but the fact that yeah. somebody could be like honestly I've never hung out with somebody like I've that never had that opportunity and, yeah and yet I cared for her. I think that's what I mean, right? With all of Jody's intersections, it's completely possible for us to go through life right. if we don't identify, you know, yeah. with any of our identity right. intersections, not ever really deeply knowing. Right. I mean, yeah. you may yeah. know someone who right. like works in the same hall as right. you or you went to college, right. but you didn't deeply know them. Right. And so I think literature like yours provides this opportunity to... Take a magnifying mm-hmm. glass to a life that seems different from yours, mm-hmm. but then it's right. that specificity that allows yes. for the universal right. universal experience. Oh, I can relate to her sadness, mm-hmm. to her trauma, mm-hmm. to her disappointment, and to her just kind of grasping at straws to survive and make sense of her life after this, you know, 18 or yes. so years yes. that she spends, yes. you know, in a different world, really, mm-hmm. which is... Yeah, and I liked hearing somebody say that they were surprised to relate to her, which... I mean, I guess in certain ways, that's the, I feel like some of the best things that books can do mm-hmm. is to be like, oh, I, I related. this was about me. And it if was you told entertainment. Me, yeah, the statistics or whatever on this person, I'd be like, I have nothing. I know common. nothing about that yeah. person. What? So pivoting a little bit, mm-hmm. what were you... What were you doing as Jody was like pestering you to write her story? <laughs> were you reading other things? Were you watching series? How and not necessarily even to prepare to write Jody, but right. just yeah. Um, I was so I was uh, living during the bulk of the time that I was writing the book. I was living in Iowa City and working as a waitress in a little um, restaurant there. And I would do the breakfast shifts so that I could get that work out of the way, um, and then go to the public library and write sure. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. 
some of the things that I remember reading at the time, even though I wasn't totally maybe aware of them affecting me, but I read um, Anne Carson's autobiography yeah. of Red, mm-hmm. um, which on its surface is like a drastically different book than Sugar <laughs> Run, but um, but yeah, it's also like a queer coming yeah. of age uh-huh. story uh-huh. and uh, the pain of uh, getting to know your own body mm-hmm. and your mm-hmm. own desires. Right. Um, And I also remember one day when I, so the public library there had study rooms that you could check out with your library card and there were these like little. Yeah, little cubes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I liked to write there because there were no distractions. Um, But sometimes when I would get up and go to the bathroom, I passed the like reshelving carts. And Mm -hmm. um, one day there was a book of these photographs by this guy, Gregory Crudson. And I saw it and I picked it up and took it back to my uh, little cubicle with me. Um, and those photos affected me in a way, I think I wasn't as, because it wasn't words, because it was photos, I wasn't as worried about being overly influenced. influenced. Yeah. But it. Well, because whatever you wrote about them, that was still your writing. Exactly. Yeah. But it almost, but it felt like it, it really struck me because I was, when I got up and went to the bathroom, I was very in my world of the book. And when I was coming back, I glanced over and saw this and it looked like an image from what my you were book. yeah and i think what i really liked about those those photos i mean if people are familiar with gregory Crutzen, they might mm-hmm. be able to already see this but for people who aren't he photographs very working class very mundane situations yeah very yeah. beautifully like very very like very um like striking beautifully lit beautiful but they're so th- celebrating this sort of practical yeah. life that folks are living yeah. and there's beauty in that and there's nothing in the photo it's ha- happening in the photo or or about the setup of the photo that is like particularly like oh that i'm gonna you yeah. know yeah it's not an editorial <laughs> right it's a very it'll be a picture yeah. of a house with like one person in the driveway um but it's beautifully lit beautifully photographed and somehow the way he sets it up it really draws you into mm-hmm. um the characters in it anyways so i spent a lot of time yeah. with that with that book i and... think that's the first time that, uh, that i've spoken to a writer who talked about photography and yeah you know, i'm thinking if we're in mississippi we're talking about writing i'm thinking welty yeah and her yeah. own photography yeah. and how it informed Absolutely. a lot of what she wrote so mm-hmm. it's really um it's really refreshing mm-hmm. to hear you kind of reference that you know these stills as a motivation for yeah. creating like a world around them yeah and i think they were so interesting and beautiful it made me be like i want to be able to do that with with words words. yeah Mm. and i want people to be able to see that while this you know dive bar that i'm writing about is sad and depressing and possibly ugly in some ways it's also beautiful and that Mm. like it felt like a challenge for me to rise to like let me make it show you the beauty in it in in some way yeah not to gloss over everything else but so that's, I mean, I, that kind of segues into what I've been thinking as we've been talking and Sugar Run, Sugar Run and its characters, Jody included, but you know, the mm-hmm. other sort of auxiliary characters very much, I think represents a lot of what's missing mm-hmm. in literature, okay. like popular yeah. literature, right? So is that intentional? I mean, like, are you writing what you miss seeing? Right. I think it's probably uh, intentional in a unintentional way (laughs) i mean i think so you know you're you're not the first person uh to ask me that and i think it it makes total sense for people to ask me that because there Mm -hmm. are so many 
aspects of the novel that are like quote unquote political yeah. in yeah. certain ways yeah. queer characters mm-hmm. um the the devastation of the fracking happening in West Virginia yeah. the effects of poverty yeah, incarceration um, incarceration yeah. yeah like a lot of them um but the the funny thing about the true answer to that is that those things sort of accumulated around Jody as I was writing her mm-hmm. and so I didn't set out to write a character who was queer I realized as I was writing Jody that she fell in love with a woman and then mm. she fell in love with another woman and mm-hmm. I was like mm-hmm. oh okay mm-hmm. so this is a part of this person's life yeah. but I didn't conceive of that from the outset is there any no, no yeah. so was there was there any sort of were you apprehensive about writing a female queer character who had been incarcerated and then coming out falling in love with women right. and there being this sort of stereotype you get incarcerated right. and then you develop this affinity right. for a same-sex romance yes there okay. were there were several aspects of Jodi that I was sort of nervous yeah. about because I care deeply for her and I created her out of a deep interest in her and compassion for her. But Mm -hmm, I was aware mm -hmm. that there were things that could look stereotypical or something, you know? Um, So in a way I felt with that particular aspect of it, I was like, well, the way that I conceived of the way Jody told her story to me was she fell in love with Paula before she went to prison. Okay. So that was a part of her. Okay. Identity. I don't think Jody would call herself queer. I think I call her queer, but I think she would probably maybe. Say I mean, she that just may not be her but... like lexicon, right? Right. right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. she's not part of the world that like a movement for her, right? That reclaims that mm-hmm. um, word. But she, I think she would. Ad- she would openly, admittedly say that the important relationships in her life have all been with, with women. women. Mm-hmm. And so that did part of that came before uh, prison. Um, but then you know there were also aspects of she's not a like upstanding citizen. I mean, right. She does yeah. a lot of drugs and she's violent <laughs> in certain ways. Yeah, and yeah. she has a great heart, but she you know. So I did wonder honestly how she would be received, mm-hmm. um, and if people would focus. Sort of, sort of more on yeah, those on her parts. sort of demons, if you yes. will. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's not like I want people to ignore those those but aspects. Not of let her. that be the center of right. her character. Right. Yeah, so, which is hard. I mean, we do that to like living, breathing people. Oh yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I wanted her to be like a living, breathing person where uh-huh. she's got a, a a great big heart, but that does not stop her from making terrible decisions. So I'm pleased to say that I think for the most part, almost everybody that I've talked to has um, fallen in love with Jody in some yeah. in some way, in some either human... despite or yeah. maybe because of the, the way she lives her life. But I think that... Uh, Probably allowing them to forgive themselves a little bit for yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And she's, I mean, I think the main thing about Jodi is we all make, we all make mistakes, not all the same mistakes that she did, but we all make mistakes or bad decisions. But sometimes the way that our lives are set up, we're able to either cover them up or bounce mm, back from them. You cover know? them up. Whoa. I mean, I know that if you, That's, you know, we like want to talk about privilege. Ours, you're right <laughs> like, about it. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's it, people with more money. It's not that people with more money don't make any mistakes or, they just or have bad decisions. They can just cover it a up. A higher for... third count on the blankets yeah. they can throw yeah. over. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I like that. Exactly. And wow. so wow, that's you great. can either make it disappear or change the narrative around it. Yeah. And she doesn't have that luxury. Right. So it's all out there in it's the open. there. Wow. Wow. It reminds me very much, honestly, of the narrative of Mississippi. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's all right. out there. 
the the good, the bad, the ugly. It's, like it's yep, right. We you know there's no like hidden history. It's true. Here. Which there's can be some maybe more possibilities for reckoning when everything is out there. I agree. Yeah. Um, all out on the table. Painful too, and traumatic, messy. Yeah, it's a it's a mess, a hot mess, if yeah. you will. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's August here. So. Yeah. So like, we can say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Listen, you're not a Mississippian, but I dub you Thank honorary. You. I, I, you know, you I, had fried chicken for lunch. So I did. I think. I think that by the powers vested in me, <laughs> from if we're thinking about it in terms of literary heritage, I think Mississippi would be where I would if I was going to adopt a southern nice. state. I think, yeah. They like us. She likes us. She really likes us. You know, us. when I was here, so I did a reading at Lemuria back in January, uh-huh. I think. And I, um, they, the, my publisher flew me in to Jackson, and then I had a reading in Greenwood and in yeah. Oxford and in New Orleans. So they got me a rental car, which I was really happy about because then. It's a lovely drive. I, yeah. Yeah, 55 I going New Orleans and then going it. north to Oxford. Going up, I went up through to Greenwood and then, mm-hmm. and that was my, my favorite. The trees, y'all have really, Amazing really foliage. good trees. We have, I mean, it's the worst day for allergies, but the, it looks I good. don't have allergies, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> and rivers, and the names of your rivers. Oh, the, yeah, all of the, like, yeah. indigenous American mm-hmm. names. It's beautiful country. And I agree. And beautiful um, history, even though there's a lot of pain in it, too. Yeah, but it, yeah. Uh, yeah. We have some redeeming qualities, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And we thank you for um, being open yeah. to our redemption. Oh, uh, yeah. And also, you know, for putting your home... Uh, on the map in a way that I think is equitable and kind and thoughtful um, and complicated. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, we you. appreciate you. Misha, right on. Thank right you. on West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> right on Mississippi. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Right on Mississippi is produced in partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting for the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's literary lawn party. <laughs>